It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you had fantastic weekends. Uh, I have been hard at work trying to get my book done, which is scheduled to come out in September. Lots going on there. Um, I'm headed to the Super Bowl tomorrow. So I will be out in Phoenix for basically the next week. Uh, No Outkick the Show tomorrow because I'll be traveling. Uh, But we'll be doing Outkick the Shows from Phoenix on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday. I'll also be still doing uh, Clay and Buck every day throughout that entire time. So, uh, a bunch of different things to discuss. But I want to start with the breaking news here on the Chinese spy balloon, which was shot down off the coast of um, uh, South Carolina over the weekend, but now is being reported that there were uh, explosives on this bomb. And again, this is according to the Daily Mail. Air Force General Glenn Van Herc, commander of U.S. Northern Command, said Monday in a call with reporters, the balloon, uh, in addition to potentially carrying explosives, 200 feet tall, weighed thousands of pounds, and its payload was the size of a jetliner. This is crazy to me. Uh, And I tweeted this out on Friday as this story became apparent. The minute that this spy balloon entered into the United States, it should have been shot down instantaneously. This is not a tough call. This is one of the points, I believe, where 80-year-old Joe Biden is frankly not up to the job because there was not a precedent in play here for how to respond in these situations because frankly, I believe it's a unique and novel uh, event. But this is where you have to have policies in place and things that you stand for. And one of the things that should be in place and one of the things that the United States should stand for is this, when a foreign aircraft enters into our airspace that is not permitted to be there, that has nefarious intentions, aka spying, potentially to develop uh, more information about the United States, we shoot it down. And the thing that I have never believed from the get-go is, oh, it wouldn't have been safe to shoot it down anywhere in the United States. You're telling me we had to wait until this reached the Atlantic Ocean and then shoot it down so that everything falls into deep water off the coast of South Carolina. And now we have to try and go salvage all of the remaining aspects of this Chinese spy balloon and hope that we can put it all back together again and that being in the ocean hasn't ruined it and that different parts of this Chinese spy plane, uh, Chinese spy balloon have not been lost. I'm sorry. This is just a failure of leadership. And this is where you need to stand on precedent and principle. And if there is no precedent, precedent, it's when you need to stand on principle. We don't allow our airspace to be invaded by foreign uh, interests that are operating against United States interests. It's what China did. 
And yet we allowed this thing to enter into Alaska, come all the way down through Canada and go across basically the entire continental United States and exit South Carolina before we did anything to it. Not acceptable. And if there were explosives involved in this, uh, in this Chinese spy balloon, it means that this was an armed incursion inside of our country by a foreign adversary, which makes it even worse. Uh, and the Biden administration is trying to cover by saying, oh, well, we found out that China had done this before when Trump was in office. We just had the acting defense secretary on. He says he didn't have any recollection of, uh, of that happening. Nobody informed him. The entire Trump administration has said no one told them either. So we've got a real major significant uh, flaw that is going on here that deserves examination. And if the Biden administration knew that China had done this before, either that's because Trump himself was not informed, which seems like a dereliction of duty and a violation of the chain of command, or they didn't discover it until after Trump left, which makes me wonder whether it even happened. But if they discovered it after Trump left, that should mean the Biden administration was aware that this might occur and had occurred before and yet still couldn't formulate the proper response. And to me, that is an indefensible failure of leadership by Joe Biden as he gets ready for the State of the Union. And it appears that the Biden administration was hoping nobody would notice this and they weren't otherwise going to tell the American people until suddenly this became uh, visible with the naked eye in Montana and this all went public. Now, there are a lot of reasons Joe Biden doesn't deserve to be president uh, frankly, to this point, but certainly doesn't deserve to be reelected. But every time he's faced with a choice, every time he has to make judgment, it feels like Biden makes the wrong choice. And he has done that, frankly, for most of his career. Uh, and uh, this is just the latest example of why Biden can't be trusted. Uh, all right, several different stories that are out there. Tom Brady just went on Colin Cowherd's show a couple of hours ago and said he will take a break year, effectively, not work in 2023, uh, and then in 2024, he will join Fox Sports, potentially as the lead analyst on the NFL, maybe in the number two role, maybe in the number three role. We'll see exactly where Fox decides to slot him in, uh, because Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson have been a very good tandem to replace Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. So maybe Tom Brady makes more sense in studio. Uh, maybe he makes more sense uh, on that number two or number three team to start with. They could, I guess, think about doing a three-man booth, which has certainly occurred before, although that can become a bit unwieldy to see how exactly Brady would sort of fit in with the, the game-calling experience. We'll see what Brady's role is going to be, but again, he's going to take a break year uh, and uh, and then will play, uh, join the booth in 2024. This story I saw, oh, Kyrie Irving has been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Irving demanded a trade last week from the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets decided to trade him to the Dallas Mavs. The Mavs' overall chances of winning a championship improved. Uh, the Lakers and LeBron James, who are currently out of the 10-team playoffs 
which is really pretty crazy to do. There's only, what is it, 30 teams in the NBA right now. Uh, and LeBron James's Lakers are outside of the playoff picture. Remember, they have the play-in now, so you only have to be in the top 10 in order to make the playoffs. And the Lakers, I believe, are a couple of games out with about two-thirds of the NBA season uh, completed so far. Uh, but Kyrie Irving, the Lakers wanted him. Instead, he's going to the Dallas Mavericks, and we'll see whether the Luka-Kyrie combo, which is an explosive scoring tandem to be sure, is going to propel the Dallas Mavericks uh, towards the championship or not. Uh, not that I have paid that much attention to the NBA, and this is not unique. I always follow football aggressively until the Super Bowl. And then as soon as the Super Bowl is over, like a lot of you, I pivot a bit to college basketball because we're almost to March by that point and see exactly how the uh, the college basketball uh, uh, scenarios are going to go. And then when the NBA playoffs start in April, start to pay a little bit of attention to that. But uh, the Celtics are your championship favorites at three to one. Uh, Bucks four and a half to one. Nuggets eight to one. The Memphis Grizzlies. I'm going to get to the Grizzlies here in a moment. Ten to one. Uh, 76ers ten to one. Warriors twelve to one. And the Dallas Mavericks are slotted in there at fourteen to one, which is saying alongside of the Clippers, that they're around the 8th or ninth best team uh, in the NBA. The Lakers are all the way down now to 65-1 to uh, to win a championship. We'll see whether the Lakers even manage to make the playoffs uh, in any magnitude at all. But Kyrie's headed to the Mavs. Uh, John Morant. This story is crazy. So reports are that John Morant and his dad and their crew got into it during an Indiana Pacers game. And that as a part of that Indiana Pacers feud, Morant and his crew in two different vehicles threatened the Indiana Pacers players as well as their staff with a red dot that they believe was, the Pacers do, the NBA investigated and couldn't determine for certain But the Pacers say that there was a gun brandished outside of their team bus underneath the FedEx Forum and that that gun was brandished and had, as some of you may have seen, a red tracer basically on it. Uh, The tracer obviously could be uh, pointed. Now, to be fair, it could be a red dot that is not actually uh, affiliated with a gun. The NBA said they couldn't find out. But certainly the only reason you would shine a red uh, light uh, that looks like a tracer is to scare someone into believing it's on a gun. And the Pacer witnesses say that it was on a gun. This is crazy. This is craziness. It comes on the heels of uh, Ja Morant's dad getting into it with Shannon Sharp. And you wonder on some level whether this is going to lead to post-game violence in the NBA, which would be an unmitigated disaster for the league. And I would think there have to be significant punishments levied when anyone affiliated with any NBA player is threatening uh, gun violence in the wake of basketball game. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, and so this is a troubling story. I think it was reported initially by The Athletic um, and exactly all of the details. Again, they weren't able to determine, according to the report that I read, whether or not there was officially a gun. But if you are showing basically that red light tracer as if you have a target and are shining it on someone, whether it's on a gun or not, it is a bad look for Ja Morant and his crew. Uh, If it's a gun, it's a crime, right? Like, I don't know if the Memphis Police Department, which obviously is incredibly troubled right now already, I don't know if the Memphis Police Department is investigating this, but if you brandish a weapon uh, and threaten someone That is a crime under Tennessee statutory criminal code law. And so I don't know if the Memphis police are investigating this. I don't know if there is video evidence. I would think that there would be cameras underneath the FedEx forum uh, for security purposes. So I would think there would be some evidence of this confrontation. And uh, it's a mess, Uh, a, a really ugly mess for the Memphis Grizzlies, who I just told you, are having a pretty decent year and actually have a chance to win uh, an NBA championship. Uh, Credit to Bethany Hamilton. She is a server. Uh, When she was 14 years old, her left arm was bitten off by a shark. Now, we were talking about this a little bit ago on Clay and Buck. She is a surfer. At 14 years old, her left arm is bitten off by a shark while she is out surfing in the ocean. I got to be honest with you. If any shark ever came anywhere near me and I knew about it, I question whether I would ever go into the ocean again. If I ever got bitten by a shark, I'm never going in above my waist really into the shark, probably for into the ocean for the rest of my life because I would be terrified. The fact that she has become a professional surfer, Bethany uh, Hamilton, is an incredible Incredible story of bravery, tenacity, fearlessness. I mean, more power to her to be going out and continuing to surf because she loves it so much. She wouldn't allow that experience to take away uh, that, uh, that, that ability of hers. She's fearless. And I think she honestly said something that's fearless here recently. She said, if these World Surf Championships, which are set up to allow transgender females that is men who now identify as women, to compete against women, she's not going to take place in the competition at all. Bravo to her for speaking out and making this choice uh, as it pertains to her sport. And I think more and more women are becoming aware of how much their sports are under siege, not from the competition that might come from women, but from men deciding to identify as women and, uh, and taking away women's championships. And I, look, I said this. I'm writing it in my book right now. This Leah Thomas story at the University of Pennsylvania, which is overwhelmingly rejected by sports fans everywhere, certainly black, white, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, 
everybody out there who's a sports fan thinks this is ridiculous by and large, by like an 80 to 20 magnitude. Um, Credit to these women who are finally being brave enough to speak out because a lot of these women all know that this is BS, but they are so afraid of being targeted and labeled as transphobes by uh, Blue Check Brigade media members that many of them are afraid to actually speak out. And so I give credit to Bethany Hamilton for her willingness to speak out on this issue. Uh, we got a couple of other things that are going on uh, right now that I think are significant. Front page story in today's New York Times, devastating on Kamala Harris. And I just want to read a couple of the quotes from this front page story, which again, the New York Times is basically propaganda media. So when the New York Times is savaging Kamala Harris, it is a sign that things are going really bad for her. Uh, And here are a couple of paragraphs that I want to read to you again. This is from the front page edition Monday, New York Times. But the painful reality for Mrs. Harris is that in private conversations over the last few months, dozens of Democrats in the White House, on Capitol Hill, and around the nation including some who helped put her on the party's 2020 ticket, said she had not risen to the challenge of proving herself as a future leader of the party, much less the country. Even some Democrats, whom her own advisors referred reporters to for supportive quotes, confided privately they had lost hope in her. That's one paragraph. I'm reading directly from the Washington Post. It continues. Through much of the fall, a quiet panic set in among key Democrats about what would happen if President Biden opted not to run for a second term. Most Democrats interviewed, who insisted on anonymity to avoid alienating the White House, said flatly they did not think Ms. Harris could win the presidency in 2024. Some said the party's biggest challenge would be finding a way to sideline her without inflaming key Democratic constituencies that would take offense. Who were those? Black women. The entire Democrat Party is founded essentially on identity politics now. It is the uh, essence of the party itself. And so if Kamala Harris, whenever there is not an incumbent running, which looks like it might be 2028, but if Kamala Harris is not on the ticket, as the Democrat nominee, then by the Democrats' own standards, that would be racist and sexist for them to make that choice. And so what they're desperately trying to do, and I think this is a big part of why Joe Biden is going to run again in 2024, even though he's 82 years old, is as bad of an in, and as bad and as enfeebled of a candidate as Joe Biden will be at 82 years old, running to remain president until he is 86, as bad as Joe Biden will be at that, I think there are a lot of people out there that are terrified, I think correctly, that Kamala Harris would be far worse in 2024 and that she would lose, certainly she would lose to a Ron DeSantis or a younger uh, Republican candidate. I think she would get smoked by Donald Trump as well. And so what we're going to see is this weekend at Bernie's two-style candidacy of Joe Biden where they hide him in his basement 
and they try to drag him across the finish line one more time. But when the New York Times is coming after Kamala Harris as aggressively as they are, when the propaganda media is lighting you up and saying that you are incompetent, this is a desperately terrifying time for Kamala Harris uh, as all of this is underway. Uh, On top of that as well, uh, there is a new poll out from the Washington Post that is not good for Joe Biden either. Uh, According to the uh, new research poll, uh, only 35%, sorry, this is from the AP, only 35, let me get this right, 37% of Democrats in a new AP poll said they want Biden to seek a second term. 37% want him to seek a second term, down from 52% in the weeks before last year's midterm. So only 37% in an AP poll. Only 31% of Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents in an ABC News Washington Post poll said the party should renominate Biden. 58%, almost twice as many, want someone else. And uh, are you doing better or worse since Joe Biden became president? 41% of Americans say they are not as well off as they were since before Joe Biden became president, uh, with 16% saying they are better off. That is staggering. That is a new high going back 30-some-odd years, all the way past 1990. No one has ever been uh, as unpopular in terms of people doing better or worse off than uh, than is going on right now uh, as it pertains to Joe Biden. Not, not as well off 41%. Never has it been that I can see over even, barely over 30% very often in each of the last 30 years. That is going to be a challenging environment as the State of the Union gets underway tomorrow. Uh, all right, I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I will be off tomorrow for OutKick the Show, traveling to Phoenix for the Super Bowl. Then I will be in Phoenix uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to go to the Super Bowl. It is a Fox Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, And we'll do the radio show and OutKick the Show Monday after the Super Bowl and then travel back here and get back to good old Nashville on the uh, on the Monday after the Super Bowl. Uh, appreciate all of you. Hope you are having a fantastic Monday. I will see you guys again on Wednesday from the Valley of the Sun. I am ready for some warm weather and I'm ready for the Super Bowl. Be doing a lot of Eagles and Chiefs talk as this continues. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>